I'm speaking this morning on the good in this Friday. The good in this Friday. Tell somebody it's good. For 2,000 years, Christians have called today Good Friday in remembrance of the day when Jesus died. The question is, why Good Friday? Why not Dark Friday or Remembrance Friday? I know many of you love Fridays and the Friday Chapel. How many Friday Chapel members are here? Friday Chapel. Powerful Friday Chapel. Okay, those born on Fridays. Now, if you tune your radio on a Friday randomly to any station, it is likely the DJ will shout, it's Friday! And as if just being Friday itself is a celebration. And there's a, 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 a slogan that says TGIF. What does it mean? Thank God it's Friday. So when you say Good Friday, your mind may go to the fact that people thank God that it is Friday. But all those people thank God because Friday heralds their weekend. A time they believe is for celebration and relaxation and fun. But that is not why it is called Good Friday. So what does it mean when we say something is good? The word good is to be desired or approved of. When we say something is good, it means it is desirable or approved. But the, the definition I like very much is the one that says it is a benefit or advantage to someone or something. A benefit or advantage to someone or something. So, who does Good Friday benefit? Who gains an advantage because of Good Friday? Let's go to first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 to verse 10 and find out is there an advantage that we have not considered in Good Friday? 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 10. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches, yes, the deep things of God. Apostle Paul starts this chapter by affirming the fact that he preaches only one message, Christ and him crucified. And he distinguishes between the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. He says, I don't preach with the enticing words of man's wisdom 
but I preach about the power of God. Let's put it on together for my two friends. So, I have two beautiful boxes here and two smiling friends here. Tell me, which box do you like? And I'll give it to you. Randomly, anyone. How many like box one? 195. How many like box two? 420. All right. Eradua, come and help us see what is in box one and what is in box two. So, box one is the wisdom of men. And box two is the wisdom of God. <laughs> why, why are you clapping? Because, because now you all want box two. Okay, Eraja, open box one. Let's see what is inside box one. They both look the same, but inside box one is shredded paper. It looks powerful, but it is light and not that valuable. Let's look inside box two. Now you are eager to know. Inside box two is a hidden treasure. Put your hands together for my friends. Don't drop the box. Let's clap for them as they go back to the seat. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now I was afraid she would drop the box to shake my hand. So Paul talks about two contrasting kinds of wisdom. The wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. And in Isaiah, he actually goes on to say, or he references Isaiah 64 verse 4. And he says, eyes have not seen nor year head, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared. The word prepared is like ordained, planned, designed for those who love him. But the Spirit of God reveals even these deep things unto us. So who benefits from Good Friday? We see two easy references from our scripture. It says, it was ordained, verse 7, for our glory. These things were ordained for our glory. But verse 10 is even more emphatic. It says, for those who love him. For those who love him. This treasure was hidden for some people here who love the Lord. How many love the Lord here? There is a treasure God has hidden with your name in mind. That is why we call it Good Friday. And what is that treasure? What is it that if the princes of the world had known, they would not have crucified the son of glory? It's almost like going to give somebody a package that is meant to be punishment for them 
and they open it and it's their favorite food. If you had known, you wouldn't have given it to them. You can't punish a fish by throwing it into water. If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. Why? Let's look at the cause. Let's look at the completion. And let's look at the consequence. So my, my, my dear children, youth, and young adults who have joined us in church today in our family service. When they say Good Friday, the reason is very simple. You and I were supposed to die. We deserved to die. You say, Pastor, why? What had we done? In Romans 3.23, Bible says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then in Romans 6.23, it says the payment, the penalty, the wages of that sin that we had committed is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Then Romans 5.8 puts another stamp on it and says that God commanded his love towards us so that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we call it Good Friday because we had done something by our very nature that meant that we should die. But while we were still condemned with a penalty awaiting us, Christ chose to die for us. Is that not a reason to put our hands together for the Lord Jesus Christ? Tell somebody, tell them it's a good Friday. Now, Christ was very conscious of this mission throughout his life. He called it my father's business. A business in our world is something that makes you money, something that gives you a living, something that your whole life is focused on. He says, this is my father's business. At age 12, in Luke 2, 49, when his parents came looking for him, at the feast when he had disappeared for days, he said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Somebody say, my father's business. In John 4, 34, he introduces another word, the word finish. Finish. He says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So we are building a case about why we call today Good Friday. Then in John, 1 John 3, 8, Jesus uses, or, or the word, the cause, or the purpose is used. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But the second part is very interesting. It says, for this cause, for this purpose, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Anytime you think about Jesus and the reason why he came, it is just one thing. Somebody said destroy. 
I want swag. I want you to say it with understanding. I want you to say it with vim. Say, destroy. For this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy. I want to hear the word destroy again. Destroy. I want a new wine destroy. Destroy the works of the enemy. Now, when you don't want to do something and you are asked to do it, you can give what they call an excuse. Or if you were sent to do something you don't want to do, and then somebody says, oh, please check this for me, or there is a distraction on the way. You say, you see, I was actually going, but something happened. I'm going to show you 10 times when Christ had a genuine reason to dodge the cross. 10 times you could have said, you know what? I intended to die, but you know what? We can reconsider this. So I'm going to show you 10 windows of escape that Christ ignored with the help of my 10 youth here. The first one, window one, is Matthew 16, 21 to 24. It was at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Peter had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm sure everyone said, wow, that was the first time publicly that he had been called the Christ. Then Jesus went on to tell them how he will die, he will be crucified, he will die, he will be buried, and he will rise on the third day. And Peter said, hey, Lord, please stop spoiling the party. We are having a great session here about the Christ. Now, at that point, he could have said, you know what? Must I really do this dying business? But he said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes when you discover your purpose in God and you want to pursue it, you will hear a very nice alternative from somebody who means well and is telling you, do you really have to do this for the Lord? Don't tell them, but in your head, what do you say? Get behind me, Satan. The second one is in John 18, verse 6. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the chief priests and the Pharisees and the arresters arrived, he knew what they were going to do. So he stepped out and said, whom do you want? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. Then they fell down under the power. If it was you, 2023, without even saying anything, the people are falling under the, under the power, you just run away. But even though they fell under the power, the Bible says he did not run away. Why? Because he was born to die. Still in the garden, you are surrounded by a mob. People who want to kill you. Our third window goes back to Luke 4, 29 and 30. A mob had gathered. They had led Christ to the edge of a cliff to throw him down. He didn't have to fight. He was so powerful that he turned around, looked at them, and walked through the mob. Nobody touched him. And then he walked away. In the garden of Gethsemane, if he didn't want to die, he could have walked through the soldiers and nobody could have touched him. But he was born to die. Put your hands together for Jesus. The fourth window 
still in the garden, John 18, 10, and 11. Some of the disciples hadn't gotten the script. So in the ensuing confusion, Peter pulls a sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. His name was Malchus. If you cut somebody's head, they say you have beheaded him. When you cut the ear, what have you done? You have beheaded him. He took off the servant's ear. And the Bible says at that point, I mean, Christ could have said, you know what? Listen, Charlie, guys, let's fight for ourselves. But he picked the ear from the ground and put it back and told Peter, must I not drink of the cup that the Father has given me? Several opportunities to say no. Let's go on to our next window. Window 5. Matthew 26 verse 53. After that incident of Peter trying to be here somebody or actually doing it, he said, listen, do you not know that I could have prayed to my father and he will send down 12 legion of angels, not a single disciple with a sword, 12 legion of angels to come and fight for me. The Roman legion has 6,000 armed soldiers. 12 legion of angels mathematically is 72,000 armed angels. I'm telling you, that garden of Gethsemane, I don't even think 1,000 would have entered the garden. For the size, imagine 72,000 angels. It was not for want of military capacity. He was born to die. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Our sixth window is John 18, 37. As Pontius Pilate tried to understand his offense, he asked him, are you a king? Then Christ said, are you asking me yourself or, or somebody told you to ask? <laughs> he could have said, you know what? You know, let's settle this matter. I was not serious about this thing but i've seen that it has become very serious so it's okay at that point end of trial but he said i am sent to do the will of him that sent me even then he stayed the course our seventh window of escape at that point Pilate was frantically looking for any reason at all to release him and so in John 19 verse 10, Pilate says, listen, talk to me well, because I have the power to either set you free or crucify you. Do you know, at that point, if he had said, fine, truce, I understand, end of story. He said to Pilate, you have no power except it be given to you from heaven. And that one too, he lets that one go. The eighth window is Matthew 27, verse 32. On the way to Golgotha, they compelled a man going somewhere with his two sons, Simon of Cyrene, come and carry the cross for Jesus. Now, if you are going to carry a cross and somebody carries the cross for you, somebody will say you can balance. You can leave the cross for him and balance. 
but he stayed with the cross and that was powerful the ninth window was when he was on the cross last minute Luke 23 37 the Romans were just challenging him and said if you are the son of God come down from this cross I think that was probably one of the biggest temptations because it would have been easy to come down but he stayed there the final one was very special in Luke 23 39 the thief hanging on the cross by him says if you are the son of God please save yourself and save us too because we are dying you know imagine that you are a taekwondo expert when you are trained you can crack or break an eight inch block then they bring you a two inch block and say can you break this emoji you want not that you want to show off but you know you can close one eye and with a finger split it they say save yourself and save us the question is why why didn't he come down put your right hand on your chest and say it was because of me it was because of me these my 10 young friends here have given us a picture of 10 windows of escape that Christ ignored. Thank you very much. Lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Put your hands together for the young people demonstrating Christ's resilience in going to the cross. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate them as they go. So when Jesus had overcome all these obstacles, finally, 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 he came to the point where earlier on he had said what my food my meat is to do the work of him that sent me and to finish it any assignment that you do when you finish you sign it when you do a record label an album and you are finished maybe you will do a release you say at 12 noon on this day go to spotify and go where boom play yes and then you go there and emoji or city praise and so it is a, it is a calendar diarized item i've finished and i've signed and so on the cross in luke 23 verse 46 bible says and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The part I like the most, he says, and then having done that or having said that, he breathed his last. I get the feeling that it was not written accidentally. English language has something they call an active verb. He himself breathed his last. It wasn't that he had his last breath. It was a choice. It was an action. He breathed his last. Almost as if to say, I am done. Thank you. And then you bow down. I believe with all my heart that it was at that point 
that he told himself a human how do you say it in ever my ever speakers how do you say it Dagbani Enzima the, the project is accomplished it is even more expressive when you find it in John 19 verse 30 it says so when Jesus had received the sour wine he said these three words are powerful it is finished why is it called Good Friday? Because it is finished. And bowing down his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, the first one, you say he breathed his last breath. So you don't see the active verb at work enough. This one, he himself gave up his spirit. Surrendered, presented, I see in Jesus' death a voluntary act. He gave up his spirit. He was ready. He had done what he came to do. But the words, it is finished, in Greek, is tetelestai. What does it mean when they say it is finished? It is finished means the project is completed. The deal is done the document is signed when you buy land and they sign the indenture it is finished when you do a project and you get paid for it at the end the contract it is finished when you you write an exam final exam medical school law school and you swear the hippocratic oath or whatever you say at long last the battle has ended. It is finished. I came to announce to somebody on Good Friday that the battles that you are fighting and thinking that they are bigger than you, the announcement from heaven is that it is finished. In today's healing service, as we trust God to touch somebody, I came with an announcement. Every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, everything giving your family palpitations and you are wondering when shall the grace of God abound in our situation I came with an announcement it is finished I came to announce to somebody the pain you have endured and the shame you have endured it is finished though your beginning was small your latter end will greatly increase you might have known pain and shame and disappointment but it is finished on the cross out of the 52 Fridays in a year, we single one out to remind ourselves that on a day that the Lord chose, he surrendered his life. He donated his spirit. He gave up his life. And what did we get as a result? What was finished on the cross? Let's conclude with the five things that Christ gave us. When he said it is finished, there were five things he gave us. The first one is that the, the debts we were owing, imagine somebody owing a receiver or a bank, you will understand. 
He paid our debts and nailed our sins to the cross. The penalty that should have been ours, he paid it and nailed our sins to the cross. Colossians 2.14 That is what Christ did for us. The second thing that he did was to give us salvation and book our ticket to heaven. When you are in Christ, there is no doubt that you are saved and you are going to heaven. In John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. A place is being prepared for you with the Lord. Hallelujah. If our whole life and our whole salvation was only about this earth, we would be of all men most miserable. We have a hope and we have a future in Christ. Hallelujah. The third thing that Christ did for us in Colossians 1.13 is that he picked us up and delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us, transported us, and moved us into the kingdom of light. What does it mean? Before Christ, our lives were in darkness, groping in the darkness with no hope, no assurance, afraid of everything we see. You see an owl on the tree in the night and you say, in the name of Jesus, you are afraid. But in Christ Jesus, you are in the light and you are not afraid. Tell somebody, I'm not afraid. Of the terror that flies by night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Why? Because a thousand will fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. The eyes of the Lord are upon you, and his ears are continually, continually inclined to your prayer. The first one, he paid our debts and nailed our sins to the cross. The second one, he gave us salvation and booked our flight to heaven. The third one, he delivered us out of darkness, brought us into the light. The fourth one, he purchased our healing and our peace. Give me Isaiah 53 verse 5. Isaiah 53 verse 5. Himself, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed or bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. In this service today, there will be testimonies of healing. I said there will be testimonies of healing. The fifth and final blessing of Christ's crucifixion is that he made us one big family in Christ. 
before Christ came, there was Jews and there was Gentiles. If you were not a Jew, you couldn't come to God. Once and for all by his death, he just crushed that barrier. Today, in the house of the Lord, it doesn't matter whether you are Ghan. It doesn't matter whether you are Algerian. It doesn't matter whether you are Dagbani. It doesn't matter whether you are tall or short or dark or fair. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18, by his spirit, he has made us one in Christ. Wave your right hand to God and thank God that he has made us one big family. And as we come before him as a family today, on Good Friday, we discover that by the death of Christ, the price was paid. And for that reason, we are no longer lost, afraid, and hopeless. Emoji, please come up. Do you need healing today? Tetelestai. Are you afraid today? Are you discouraged? It is finished. Is your life being torn apart? It is finished. Are you battling with things that your family has seen as cycles for years? They go and they come back. Sometimes stronger than before. Today, Tetelestai, it is finished. Are your dreams and hopes dashed? You say, Pastor, I had so much hope, but now I've given up. On Good Friday, it is finished. I said it is finished. The shame is finished. The pain is finished. The doubt is finished. The fear is finished. The disappointment is finished. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Rise to your feet. Oh.